This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like us, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. That's double. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. I'm Cody Darwick, joined by my brother, Tyler Darwick, for the NFL Week 1 Pick'em Pod. Tyler, we survived the summer. Survived the summer. I'm excited. NFL's back just a few days away. You know, summer 2019 was fun. Cody, I don't know if you know this. I went to Europe for two weeks. It was a good time, but I'm excited to have the NFL back. You are now a citizen of of the globe. I went to Canada, so do you think that'll help our picks at all? Hopefully. I actually, you know, breaking news on the pod, I guess. I changed up Ooh. how I'm going to approach the pods this year. Last year, my locks of the week were terrible. Um, last year, when I was gathering stats and trends, I would type it out on a document on my computer. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm going old school. I'm writing it down in a notebook to keep it handwritten. If... You know, it starts out hot. My locks start out hot. I'm going to continue this. If not, I might go back to the computer. Handwriting is a pain in the ass. Tyler, I've been a notepad guy, legal pad, from day one here. I've saved all my notes um, just for one day when this thing gets massive. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's really a blue-collar work ethic that leads to better locks of the week. So welcome aboard. Happy to have you. This is our first uh, NFL Pick'em Pod under the Blue Wire umbrella. We are fired up for this. We actually had on um, Brian Perez, who's a sports writer for NBC Sports Chicago and host of the Chicago Shuffle podcast, a basically uh, a podcast under the Blue Wire network. He's family to us. Uh, he was great to have on. We kind of talk about the Bears' upcoming season a little bit and get into our thoughts for this Thursday night's opener. So we will kick it to Brian uh, with a brief word from our good friends at Harry's beforehand. A few of us on this show use Harry's razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all different shave sets and face care products. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's by claiming your special offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. Why try Harry's? Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price for just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with the Harry's trial set. It comes with weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave. 
rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and the travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I send you this help support the show. Full Slate Airwaves, Brian Perez. He's a sports writer for NBC Sports in Chicago and host of the Chicago Shuffle Pod. Brian, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we, we wanted to get Brian on the pod. We are recording. It is Labor Day afternoon. This pod will go up Wednesday morning ahead of week one. But obviously the Bears are on opening night, Thursday night versus the Packers. But want to get Brian on, give his thoughts on the Bears. Obviously last year's Matt Nagy's first season. They came on the scene. Uh, they won the division. Uh, obviously a little bit of a disappointing ending there with uh, the double doink kick. But Brian, I want to get your thoughts and kind of expectations on the Bears season. This is year three for Trubisky. Uh, do you think he continues to kind of take the next step forward? And uh, do you think he'll have enough to lead the Bears to a deeper playoff run this upcoming season? Yeah, that's ultimately the million-dollar question for this team because they're pretty much set everywhere else. The defense is a Super Bowl-quality defense. The coaching staff is an innovative coaching staff, especially for, on the offensive side of the ball. They have good skill players at wide receiver, a lot of talent at running back, a uh, very underrated offensive line. All five starters come back again and are locked up for the foreseeable future. So the really the only question mark if you want to even call it one, is Mitch Trubisky and whether or not he can elevate his game from what we saw in 2018, which was a developing second-year player, to this season, which we should see that step go from learning the offense to now having mastered the offense and being able to win games because of him rather than just ask him to manage games and allow the defense to win it. So it's really something that we're going to all see unfold in real time on Thursday night, because if he can outdoor Aaron Rodgers on Thursday night in the NFL's opening kickoff game, then I think he will officially have announced his arrival as an above average quality Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, there aren't many, um, many game scenarios that are going to have as much pressure as he's going to have staring down the barrel of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in front of a national television audience on the 100th anniversary of the NFL uh, to jumpstart a season with Super Bowl expectations in Chicago. It's, a, it's essentially like playoff pressure for him. And if he rises above that and has a really good first week, then I think we're, we can be, get really excited about what he'll do ultimately for the whole season. It seemed like last year, Matt Nagy, you know, first season with the new offense, Trubisky's second year kind of really scripted a lot of plays early in games. Do you see Nagy doing that again this year, or maybe giving the keys a little more to Trubisky to maybe call his own number a little more? Yeah, I think you're still going to see a lot of that Nagy influence in the first couple of series, that game script. Um, But last year, Matt Nagy described Mitch Trubisky as a student of the offense. And this year in training camp, he described him now as a teacher of the offense, where he was actually instructing younger players or players who hadn't played in the system yet on what their assignments were. And they've been able to expand the playbook even further because of Trubisky's, you know, just that natural development and knowledge of what Nagy wants to do. So I think we're going to see a little more trust given to Trubisky, allowing him to use that experience and hopefully take advantage of his deeper knowledge of the offense, which we should end up seeing, you know, more production. Let's face it. I mean, Trubisky had his moments where he flashed some elite playmaking ability, but a lot of that was, you know, out of chaos when a play would break down and he had to just rely on athletic ability instincts as a football player versus actually the play's natural progression. I think we'll see more development in that standpoint. And with that kind of development, if a coach sees his quarterback able to actually put a play, you know, effectively operate a play as it was called or as it was designed or even be able to get to that second, third, or even fourth read, more trust is going to be developed. Nagy's going to give uh, Trubisky a longer leash to kind of, you know, maybe make his own calls from time to time at the line of scrimmage. But that's putting the cart way before the horse. I mean, Trubisky has to first show that he can be consistently accurate, that he can do some of the basic things better than he did last year. And then hopefully uh, the rest takes care of itself. 
Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, Brian, about the Bears' backfield. So they lose Jordan Howard. They draft David Montgomery. They bring, they saw uh, Tariq Cohen, who had a monster season for them last year. They have veteran Mike Davis back there as well. Um, as you mentioned, Trubisky, we'll see if he could take that kind of next step forward to win games on his own. But the backfield, of course, is going to be a big part of this. Who do you see emerging as kind of the lead back here? And how do you see this thing shaping out? I know I think some of our listeners will be curious, A, for fantasy football, but B, just from the watching standpoint, do you think they're going to miss Jordan Howard? Or do you think they replace a lot of what they lost with uh, David Montgomery? Yeah, so David Montgomery in the draft work that I also do, he was my RB1 in this draft class ahead of Josh Jacobs, who the Raiders took in the first round. Oh, wow. And that was before he was a Chicago Bear. So that, that's that's without Bears fandom uh, playing a factor here. <laughs> I think David Montgomery is the, is the most talented running back the Bears have had in the program since Matt Forte in his prime. I think he's a far superior player to what Jordan Howard brought to the table just from a positional trait standpoint, his ability to naturally feel the flow of the defense, uh, his lateral agility, his contact balance. He has the chance to be a really, really, you know, I don't want to throw the word special around because that's usually reserved for the elite generational type guys, but he has a chance to be a household name much sooner than later. And especially in fantasy football circles, if the, if the suggestion that he's going to be the Kareem Hunt role for Matt Nagy is accurate, then then he's going to be a, a favorite um, in fantasy football leagues real soon. And I do think that talent naturally rises to the top of a depth chart and, you know, a pecking order in terms of who touches the ball the most. And I just believe that David Montgomery has more talent as a bell cow back than Mike Davis does. And, you know, him, he's not really competing with Tariq Cohen for touches because Tariq Cohen gets manufactured touches, like packages of plays that are intended just for Tariq Cohen. No other running back can do what Tariq Cohen will be called to do on a particular play or a particular scenario. David Montgomery is going to be your traditional between-the-tackles guy who offers more as a receiver out of the backfield than Jordan Howard ever did. And he has just this ability to, you know, just fire up the offense because he's going to break a lot of tackles and he's going to make a lot of defensive players look silly in the process. So, I think Montgomery ultimately ends up being the lead guy. Uh, I think as a rookie, he's going to have to earn it, obviously. And, and I don't think you'll see a, a large disparity in terms of he's getting 75% of the carries as compared to maybe 25% being split between Davis and Cohen early in the season. Maybe it takes until late September before that, um, before that kind of ratio plays out. But I do think eventually you're going to see David Montgomery as that 75% of the carries guy. Um, but that doesn't mean three Cohen won't be in the game. I think you're going to see the two of them in the game a lot, you know, on a majority of plays. Three Cohen is going to have a role, you know, in the slot as uh, even in the backfield at the same time as Montgomery. So they both have standalone value. If you're thinking fantasy football terminology, they both have standalone value without a doubt. But from a pure football standpoint, it's going to be David Montgomery who uh, who's going to lead this team in the backfield, assuming he can stay healthy. Well, it's a good point you bring up with Kareem Hunt because his breakout game as a rookie was the opening night of the NFL season versus the Patriots on Thursday night. So David Montgomery could, you know, potentially be in a similar spot, obviously, maybe not as good as Hunt did in that opening game, but could really get his name out there to the broader audience. Let's jump to the Bears defense. You mentioned it's a Super Bowl caliber defense last year. The Khalil Mack trade took this team over the top. They lose Vic Fangio in the offseason. They bring in uh, Chuck Pagano. What do you think, you know, the the hot word about the Bears defense over the se- past offseason was regression, how their the takeaway numbers aren't going to stay the same. What do you think the Bears can do to, you know, keep that elite level defense? Do you think the talent just overwhelms or will the loss of Fangio kind of reign true? Yeah, so this whole concept of regression for the Bears defense or just in general, we're talking about, you know, top tier performance or performers from one season regressing uh, the next year. I, I don't really buy into that in terms of, you know, if the Bears um, suddenly don't have as many takeaways in 2019 that they somehow regressed as a unit. I think the Bears will still be the pace core, right? So they might not get as many takeaways or force as many as they did in 2018, but there's still going to be a top two or three defense in that category. So even if last year was just this ridiculously productive season and they can't match it, Well, it's kind of like I said this on the Chicago Shuffle the other day. 
You know, if Ezekiel Elliott in 2000-whatever year runs for 1,800 yards and leads the league in rushing, and then the following season he runs for 1,400 yards, regresses statistically, but still leads the league in rushing, he's still the elite running back in the NFL, even though he didn't have the same number of yards. So I think what's going to happen with the Bears' defense is they might not be able to match the statistical dominance they had last season, but they're still going to be the elite, if not one of the elite defenses in the NFL, regardless of what the statistics or analytics will say at the end of the year, because the playmakers are just too overwhelming. They have too much talent. They have too much of a pass rush for Khalil Mack. And when he's disrupting a quarterback and throwing off his timing, guys like Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller in the back end causing interceptions or even just pass breakups, you might see the Bears have more pass breakups but less interceptions because just of fluky situations. And that will be described as a regression when in reality it's still effective defense. So I think the loss of Vic Fangio is obviously a big one. But at the same time, Chuck Pagano is not a slouch. He's no scrub. He knows what he's doing. He's been around for a long time. And he's a lot more aggressive with his play calling style than Vic Fangio was in Chicago. So you may end up seeing more sacks from the Bears defense because they're going to get after the quarterback with maybe a little bit more of an aggressive tone than than Vic Fangio ever did. So it's going to be a push and pull type of scenario. Maybe one category they go up, one category they dip. But it's really just this regression. It's really going to be based on what does the overall NFL statistical output look like for defenses. And I would bet you that the Bears are going to be in the top three or four in those categories, even if the numbers are lower than they were last year. All right. So Brian, still bullish, staring regression, straight in the eyes saying, not afraid of it, um, but Not afraid. <laughs> I, I respect it. Um, so let's let's talk about this upcoming Thursday night opener versus the Packers. Bears at home. Uh, since this is a sports gambling pod, let's talk about the line here a little bit. Get your thoughts on that. So pulling these lines from our good friends over at my bookie, the Bears are three point favorites. The over under on this one is forty six and a half. Uh, last year, the Bears and Packers split the series, but the Bears covered both games. Uh, Brian, last year the Bears were an exceptional team against the spread. They're actually 12-4 and four. in this spot at home. Bears were a great home team last year, Brian. Do you think they're going to take care of business against the Packers, or do you think this Matt LaFleur revamped uh, Packers team will be able to take it to the Bears? See, this this is a, you know, anytime you have a Bears-Packers game, you're, you're you're trekking down a slippery slope because, you know, the season series, I think they've played each other 198 times and it's like 97, the Packers have the edge of something like 97, 95 and whatever number of ties are left over. So it's literally, literally the longest running rivalry in the NFL. And neither one of these two teams has made themselves a clear cut, um, you know, better performer in these matchups. I mean, you go through decades and spurts, one team is stronger than the other, but, you know, we got a hundred years of football here and there's only two wins separating the two of these two teams. So when you, when you come down to starting to put money on the Packers versus the bears, my first piece of advice would be probably look elsewhere because I have no idea how this is going to shake out. I mean, look at last season <laughs> in the opener, the bears jumped all over the Packers looked like it was going to be the biggest upset of the season up several scores going into halftime. Whoever took the Bears that night probably were, were counting their money. And then in the second half, Aaron Rodgers comes back and leads the Packers to a win. Now, I don't know what the spread was. Maybe whoever took the Bears still won that night anyway. But the bottom line is these, these games are so unpredictable and sometimes hard to project um, that I think a three-point favorite for the Bears is reasonable because that really feels like a push when you're at home. And I, I just feel like you're going to end up with a one-score game. Is that a field goal? Is that a touchdown? I know that ultimately decides, you know, for your listenership, whether they put money on this game or not. But I think you're going to have a really closely fought game, and, and it could come down to a field goal. And honestly, if you're betting on a field goal kicker to win you a game, I would stay away from the Bears. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good segue to what I wanted to ask you next. The Bears announced Eddie Pinheiro is going to be their starting place kicker. Matt Nagy said on Sunday, how, how confident are you in him to get the job done, the double doink uh was one of the, you know, lingering storylines from the offseason. So, you know, it's it's a the whole kicker situation, right? It's such a volatile position that unless you have a guy like, uh, you know, Vinny Terry or Steven Goskowski, some of these guys, 
<laughs> or Robbie Gold, exactly. You know, we won't even bring him up. By that, that was probably Ryan Pace's <laughs> worst decision as general manager, and as one of his first. But the the if you don't have one of those guys who's proven it year over year over year, you're really not sure what you have until you have it. And in this scenario, I mean, look at the Vikings. They traded for Kari Vedvik. They gave a fifth round pick for the guy because he looked like the next coming of a dominant kicker in the pre in in training camp and scrimmages and all this stuff and he and he comes out as their guy in preseason misses every kick and now he's cut the vikings essentially gave a, a fifth round pick to the ravens for nothing because of an expected scouting report to come true on vedvik and these guys you just never know how they're they're going to perform until the lights go on for real mm-hmm. and you know you see you see it happen all the time a kicker one year is is accurate as hell and then the next year they they look like they don't even belong in the nfl so is it possible a guy like pinero can be a player that can connect reliably and win some games for the Bears? Absolutely. I mean, the guy's got a cannon of a leg, and he was so highly regarded by the Raiders last season that they kept him on injured reserve, even though they already had an established kicker, and Pinero wasn't going to play for them at all. You know, teams usually don't carry, even on injured reserve or, or what have you, multiple kickers. So they kept him around. He said recently that the Raiders made it seem like they were going to keep him there as the, their kicker for the next decade. And the Bears traded for him. So, I mean, the pro scouting department clearly had an evaluation and a grade on him that was high enough to make them give an asset up for a draft pick. I mean, even if it's a conditional seventh-round pick, that's still something. And 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 it shows the Bears have confidence. He, he won this kicker competition, and he, it really wasn't all that close either. He was, he was clearly the guy once the preseason started. You know, the guy can blast the ball. We'll see if the pressure gets to him, but I think anything – Anyone not named Cody Parkey is an <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I agree with that, especially just the way last year ended for, for this Bears team. Absolute heartbreak. Um, but, Brian, we want to we get your play here. Like you said, I think for me personally, looking at this line, looking at the over-under, um, it's, it's a little – it's such a toss-up, right, because – Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, we know about their drawn-out kind of battles the last couple of years. They bring in Matt LaFleur to basically change up the offense. And Rodgers, quite frankly, the last couple of years, obviously, has been injured. But, like, the numbers haven't been what what they were. So, for me, as a better, I'm the line kind of scares me in this game. The number I'm looking at, the over-under 46.5, I, I like the over in this one. Just looking at some of the Packers' trends here as road dogs of three or fewer points, uh, they're not great against the spread, which is good uh, for you, Brian, and, and your Bears fans. They're 2-8 and eight straight off their last 10, 3-6-1 against the spread. However, the over has hit 8 out of 10 of these road road games when they're a short road dog uh, and they've cu- and they've hit the over seven in a row. So I think if I'm if I'm looking for a specific play, I think that's probably what I'm going with. Um, and like you said, the Bears minus three, the, the kicker situation scares me a little bit. Um, I think there's a lot to be sorted out. And week one is is just such a crapshoot. Um, but if you have to put you have to put your life savings here on on one of these four kind of options here. Bears with the spread, Packers with the spread, the over or under. Where where are you putting your chips here? Yes, I would probably put, push my chips to the Bears with the spread because um, I do think they are going to pull out a win, and I do think it will probably be around that four point mark. Um, the forty six point line to me, it's it's that scares me. Because we have Matt LaFleur calling his first game as a head coach, uh, not really under, not knowing yet what the relationship between Rodgers and LaFleur is going to be like when there's actually pressure in a real game. And they're doing it against arguably the most dangerous defense in the league. So if there is a game not to work out the wrinkles, it's against the Chicago Bears at home, 100th anniversary of the franchise. Um, so there is a chance that the Bears defense comes out so aggressive and so fired up that Aaron Rodgers and an entirely new offensive system, uh, or not necessarily entirely new system, but that relationship with LaFleur takes longer to get on track. So can, can the Packers put up 21 points? I mean, I think they need to put up 21 or more to hit that 46 point number, because I don't think the Bears are going to score more than, let's say. 27 24 themselves 
Mm -hmm. Um, So if the Packers aren't able to score, let's say the Packers are held to 17 points, I think you see the Bears win, you know, 24-17. Was that 44 points? I think you can end up seeing a final score like that. It would just surprise me if Rodgers and LaFleur can combine to put up enough points to where we would leave week one saying, man, the Bears defense really did regress. It looks terrible. Look what Rodgers was able to do with Matt LaFleur in his first game as a head coach, sliced and diced this elite defense at home, 100th anniversary. There's a lot of momentum, emotion, a lot of those intangible factors I feel like are playing against the Packers from having a big offensive day, which would make me a little bit nervous about that. The flip side is, I mean, can the Bears put up 31 points? If they do, then you're going to go over. But Mm -hmm. I don't see that happening either. I don't see the Bears offense being totally greased up yet for that yeah I, I agree with you brian i think the over under if i had to bet it i'd lean more towards the under opening night game could be a little sloppy and you know rogers first game with lafleur could be a little sloppy but i think i'm gonna have to go against you on the spread pick i, th- I think i like the packers plus three um you know there are question marks around rogers and lafleur but i still have question marks about trubisky i know he's only started one full season he's coming into his third off season you made the comment earlier he's a teacher now instead of a student with the other teammates i'm just still not a believer in trubisky until i see him prove it out that he could go up against an aaron Rodgers and outduel him i just don't trust yeah. him so i like the packers in this spot um i'm in chicago and a lot of my friends are bears fans so i'll probably get a lot of hate on this pick but i, li- I like the packers i just i think Rodgers is gonna have a bounce back year he's heard it all off season that he might not be the same player i think he comes out like you said, 100th anniversary of the NFL, the Bears. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, added juice for him in that to, you know, ruin the Bears opening night. So I like that. And like we talked about, the Bears kicking situation makes me nervous. I, I just feel like that's going to play a factor as well. Yeah, I, I, listen, I like I said, when we started talking about this matchup, I wouldn't fault anybody who picked the Packers and I wouldn't feel overly confident if, Anybody pick the Bears? I think the one thing, the one mistake somebody can make is being overly confident in picking this game, period. Because there are so many ways to argue one way or the other, which isn't always the case when you see matchups on a week-to-week basis in the NFL. Like you guys said earlier, week one is always the crapshoot. I mean, we don't even know what the storylines or narrative of this season is going to be yet. I mean, are the Buffalo Bills going to be the Bears of last year? And suddenly, you know, they're not a team you want to bet against. You want to actually play them? I, I don't know. None of us know. And it's especially true. I mean, you could literally – we could be sitting here week 16, and the Bears are, you know, 11-3, uh, and three, and the Packers are 3-11, and 11, and I still wouldn't touch the game because of so much <laughs> that these guys bring to the table in those environments. So – it's a game that's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's opening night. People are going to want to put their money down on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, buy, as they say, buyer beware. Yes. Rivalry games are always tough, especially week one. Yeah, yeah I think I think all bets are off here. And uh, like like you said, Brian, we're we have yet to know what the actual storylines of the season are to be. But the fact that we are so close to NFL week one, I think it has everyone just so excited ready to go um but brian thank you so much for coming on we appreciated this we'll have to see whose uh pick plays out the best after after thursday night given that we're all kind of in a different corner here so that should be interesting um but brian where can our listeners follow you and and uh, your podcast yeah so i'm really pumped about the chicago shuffle podcast part of the blue wire podcast network having a lot of fun doing that um, you know, just if you're a Bears fan or just a football fan in general, just head on over, subscribe, like it on on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y, and you can catch all my Bears stuff over at NBC NBC Sports Chicago. Awesome, thank you, Brian. Thank you, guys. Before we move on to the next part of the pod, I just want to remind listeners of the free NFL Survivor Pool Full Slate is putting on this year. All you got to do is pick one NFL team a week to win. You can pick them again. Last one standing wins the $500 cash prize pool. You heard that right. It's free entry, and the winner takes home $500. Now, all you got to do is follow us on Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod and DM us a screenshot of you listening to the podcast for the password to the pool. Again, all you need to do is 
Follow us on Twitter and listen to the podcast for your shot at $500. Okay, and thanks again to Brian for coming on. Go follow him on Twitter and his podcast to get all the Chicago Bears info you need. Um, all right, so for our new listeners on Blue Wire, essentially the way Tyler and I will do this pod for the NFL season we will profile the headline games, typically four or five. Uh, we're going with five in week one, and we'll give out our lock of the week at the end of the show. So we already dove into Bears-Packers. Tyler, let's get to this next headliner here. Falcons on the road at the Minnesota Vikings. My Minnesota Vikings. I'm on that corner. The Vikings are four-point home favorites over under 47 and a half. Tyler, which way are you leaning here week one? Yeah, so we have, like you said, your Vikings going up against the Falcons, um, you know, heavily against the Vikings whenever they're brought up on this pod. Kirk Cousins is nothing but a coward, but I think in this one, I actually am leaning towards the Vikings. Just the trends for them are too good. They're 7-1 and one straight up and against the spread their last eight home games in September. They start off the season hot. Last year, they started off hot. And in this game, I don't have like a strong feeling towards either team. So I like just going with the home team with the Vikings to get it uh, started well in week one. They've had a nice preseason. Dalvin Cooks looked good. So I think those are some reasons to like the Vikings in this one. Where are you leaning? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you here. So Kevin Stefanski took over as OC towards the end of last year, and we've talked about it before, but he's committed to the run game. I like what they've done. And just looking at the Falcons, you look at Matt Ryan's numbers last year. They were incredible through for over 4,900 yards, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I'm not worried about the Falcons' offense here. It's more so their defense, especially on the road. I think this is a tough start. Minnesota is known for the great home atmosphere. Their fans are going to be fired up here. The Atlanta defense last year gave up the eighth most points, fifth most yards. They were missing a couple of their headline players, Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, both of which are back and healthy. But I want to see it first from them before I'm buying an improved Atlanta defense. Like you said, four points at home isn't crazy. I think kind of the standard for even teams is three points at home. So I'm riding with the Vikings. They're 11 and three straight up their last 14 home games versus the Falcons. Like you said, they've, they've gone off to a lot of hot starts. I'm, I'm a believer in those higher level trends. I think over time they do pan out. We kind of saw this last year, but like a lot of these historical trends for teams, they actually do come into, into play. Um, so I like the Vikings week one, Kirk cousins. It's not a prime time game. 1 p.m. kickoff can get his feet wet. Um, I'm I'm taking the Vikings here, and I'm I'm not touching the over under. So Vikings, like you said, 11 and three straight up their last 14 home games against Atlanta. These teams didn't play last year, so out of those 14 games, how many do you think Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins were the quarterback of? We know Kirk Cousins at zero. We know Kirk Cousins zero. I'm gonna say Matt Ryan is uh, three. I have no idea what that number is, but it is a random stat. I don't see much relevance just because these teams don't play a ton, and especially in Minnesota. But like I said, I I mean, I think the Falcons are going to have a bounce back here. We've talked about on previous pods their value to win the division. I said Matt Ryan was a good bet to win the MVP. Like, Mm -hmm. I I do believe they're going to have a good year. But in week one, I like a point you brought up with the defense. They do get Keanu Neal and Deion Jones back. But we just have to see it from them first. And I do think there's an aspect of this game where Vikings ended last year on such a bad note at the end of the season. I loved it, but I can't imagine they have a good taste in their mouth the way it ended last year. So I think they come out with a lot of energy. The crowd's going to be crazy, like you mentioned. So I just like the home team in this uh, you know, aspect. And it's not a primetime game for Kirk Cousins. It's perfect. It's a one o'clock game. There's some other good earlier or 12 o'clock in Chicago, I should say there's some other good noon games. So, you know, not all eyes are going to be on him. He's at home. They're going to run the ball more. Dalvin cook had a good preseason, so Mm -hmm. not as much pressure on him. So I think the Vikings are just a safe reply. And a real quick tidbit here before we hop over to the next game. The Vikings, their last five week one games are four and one against the spread. Mike Zimmer, I think he's going to have these guys ready to go. And I'm, I'm buying this team as a bounce back team overall, all over the Vikings, minus four. Um, so, okay, we're in agreement here, huh? Yeah, it looks like for the first one, we are in agreement, but 
Let's move on to the next game. Rams going to the Panthers. Panthers are home dogs in this one, plus three. Mm -hmm. The over-under is 50.5. Now, Cody, I feel like you can't talk about this game without mentioning the Rams lost the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl Bowl loser stat in week one. Everyone loves saying it. It's repetitive, but I'll bring it up. Since 2000, the Super Bowl losers are 3-16 against the spread in week one the following year. 1-12 against the spread on the road. So we're on the we're on the Panthers. We're, we are on the Panthers. 78% of the bets are on the Rams, according to the Action Network. Uh, we're my bookie guys now, but that's an interesting stat. Obviously, a ton of public action there. You have the west to east factor, which week one, I'm not buying as much as I am later in the season, but there is definitely something to this Super Bowl loser um, number. Uh, for me, some things to look out for on the Panther side of the ball. So Cam Newton sprained his left foot versus the Patriots in preseason. He seems like he's good to go. And this Panthers team last year was a bit of an enigma. They started the season six and two. They ended at seven and nine. I think uh, you obviously have McCaffrey back off a monster season last year. Greg Olson kind of one final hurrah here. I, I like the Panthers in this spot at plus three. Now we talked about those Vikings Falcons trends. The Super Bowl loser trends is something I, I buy for week one. Um, we still don't really know what's going on with Todd Gurley. I'm very interested to see that play out. I feel like that's something that still hasn't been talked about a ton. Uh, but Panthers plus three is what I'm taking. I like them at home. Uh, and maybe you get a little bit of a bump in the west to east. And uh, plus three, I, I just think the Panthers... I think they have enough to hang in there with the Rams and and potentially win this game. I mean, at plus three, you're betting them to win. Yeah, I was trying to find a trend of, you know, the stats with West Coast team going east. Like you mentioned, week one, it, I can't imagine it would play as much of a factor. Like you had the whole offseason repair, you know, mm-hmm. going into that game. It's not you're coming off another game. Couldn't really find anything definitive that or reliable. But it, you know, it said around 35% was kind of the consistent number I saw those teams win the game. So I'm with you. I like the Panthers. Just looking at the Panthers as a whole as the season progresses, Cam Newton's health does worry me. But I think going into this game, he should be healthy. He's been a full go of practice today. Um, and he looks like he will be going forward this week. So he should be healthy. The Super Bowl hangover stat, I, that's a big enough sample size to believe it. So I do like Carolina. You said, like you said last year, they were an enigma. They started six and two, and I remember they were six and two playing the Steelers on Thursday night in Pittsburgh. We were mm-hmm. on opposite sides of that. I liked Carolina. You liked Pittsburgh. They got absolutely annihilated in that game, and it went downhill yes. from there. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this team can bounce back. And this is a huge season for them because if they struggle again, they have the new owner David Tepper. I believe. I'm putting out my first coach fired. Rivera. Uh, Rivera. I I don't think he'll be the first coach fired, but I'm just saying as my exterminator nickname you gave me. Hot seat. They they need to have a good year if he wants to keep his job. He's been there a while. It could get a little stale. So there's a lot of pressure on this team, and this is a good spot for them to get a win versus a really quality team. Um, And I want to ask you your thoughts on the over-under, because I have a strong inclination on one side. Mm. it's 50 and a half where, 50, where do you lie yeah so 50 and a half is is a lot uh for week one i i still like the over though i i see a lot of points in this game and you're shaking your head uh we're we're now doing these over video so it's it's nice i get to see tyler in his glasses um why why are you against that to me i i do feel like we're gonna get get some points here i'm i'm not huge on the rams defense they regressed towards the end of last season and i don't know i i think i see this game being something like 28 24 panthers i don't know i just really like the uh under in this one so six out of the last seven rams road games have gone under six of their last seven games played week one have gone under. There's some good trends on the Panthers as well for the under. So the total went under in four of Carolina's last five games last year. And sorry, the total, the second one I said, <laughs> the Carolina's six out of the last seven games played in week one have gone under. I looked it up last year. Their first game they, they played, it was 16 to eight. And the Rams first game was 33 to 13. They beat the 
uh, Raiders, which you'd say, you know, they scored 33 points, but those versus the Raiders. And I look, I remember when I looked at the box score, they had a garbage time touchdown at the end. So they only put up really 26 versus a crappy Raiders team. The Panthers defense has improved. They brought in Gerald McCoy, Bruce Irvin, uh, add to that pass rush. And it's supposed to be 90 degrees in Carolina. It's, it's really hot. I think that's going to wear down these teams and I could see it being a sloppy game. And I believe both of these defenses will have a big imprint on it. So that's why I'm really into the under. I think you may have sold me on the under after all those facts. The the heat is something that I think week one, these guys are not going to be in full game shape, especially on the Ram side. Last year versus the Raiders, they got off to a slow start. That was like, I think it was a 13-10 game at the half. Um Sean McVay, it's much talked about, but he doesn't play any of his guys in offense or sorry, in the preseason. So it probably will take a little bit for them to get going. I don't feel strongly about the over under here, but I do feel strongly about Panthers plus three. And and I like that one a lot. Okay, so it seems like we're both on the Panthers. I'm a little more on the the total on the under. We'll see how it plays out. Like you said, Mm -hmm. they don't play any of their offensive starters or even key reserves in the preseason. Obviously it worked out. They made the Super Bowl last year, but for week one for this game, I can see them getting off to a slow start and 90 degrees. I couldn't find any stats on the weather, but I can't imagine it's fun to play in those conditions. But let's move on to the team the Rams lost to in the Super Bowl. Mm. Patriots open up. Why don't the Patriots have the Thursday night game to open up the, the season? I think it's just disrespect, right? Uh, Goodell does not like the Patriots. Could be. Maybe it's just it's their sixth championship in yeah, 20 I think, years. I think, it, it I think you're matter. just sick. Everything, I think everyone's just sick of them at this point. Yeah, I think us included. But yeah. that's the Sunday night game. Steelers at Patriots. Patriots minus five and a half. The over-under is 51. I'll get started. I like the, the Steelers against the spread in this one plus five and a half. They were 4-0 last season against the spread as road dogs. I, I just think this is way too high. The Patriots are just a question mark. I know that's crazy to say, but Gronk mm. retired. They're relying on Josh Gordon to be their second receiver. Josh Gordon is, you know, so unreliable. I don't know what people are expecting. I'm not saying I like the Steelers to win the game, but at five and a half and it's at seven and some other spots, that's just way too much. And like we've talked about, I think the Steelers are going to be really good this year. I think the Patriots are like the yummiest teaser option one of for week one, this five and a half number off my bookie. It just screams teaser to me. Um, but I, I actually disagree with you, Tyler. I do like that stat that the Steelers were, were great against the spread teams as a road dog last year. But let's, let's be honest, this Patriots team at home just covers year over year over year. You mentioned Josh Gordon as a number two last year. They had no one as a number two. It was like Chris Hogan was up there for them in terms of targets. The thing that, worries me the most with the Patriots I'm gonna say is uh, their center David Andrews is out indefinitely right now he's blood clots in his lungs uh, which doesn't sound great um, so they have a backup center in there obviously Gronk retires but I think quite frankly he was he was played he played great for them in the playoffs but during the regular season he was largely a non-factor I'm buying the Patriots improved run game I think they're gonna rely on Sony Michelle and pound the rock there with him James White um and if you just look at the trends with the Patriots we talked about it last year but they're in they're just insane they're 15 and 5 against the spread um when they're favored by six or more uh they're five and a half in this one they've covered nine out of the last ten I think at home Sunday night football and let's not forget they own the Steelers like just over the course of Mike Tomlin's career. I, I just don't have a ton of faith in the Steelers team. I know you're on them. They were your Super Bowl value pick. You like them at 25 to one. And I agree. I think the Steelers, people are writing them off as leaving them for dead. They lose Le'Veon. They lose Antonio Brown. Uh, but week one in this spot, five and a half. I like the Pats at home. Well, the Steelers beat the Patriots last year. Let's just bring that up. I know Correct. it was a close game, and Correct. it's only w- one time. They've, one. They're one in five. I'll give you a couple stats, I guess. Throw your way, and then I'll... On the matchup, yeah. 
Yeah, Steelers one and five, their last six straight up in New England. Patriots mm-hmm. are six, including the playoffs. Patriots have won sixteen straight games at home. That's not, you know, not against the spread, but that's not great. Who who have been the quarterbacks in those matchups, Tyler? Yeah, impressive nonetheless. But <laughs> let let me go back. You know, you mentioned Gronk. He wasn't as good last year as he's been. He was mostly a decoy, but he's still out there on the field and he still generates a lot of coverage. And he still accounted for over 15% of the Patriots receiving game from last year. That is a big chunk to get rid of. He's not out, like just having him out there, regardless if he's 100% or 50%, the defense has to key in on him. And that opens it up for other guys. Benjamin Watson suspended four games. You mentioned David Andrews is out indefinitely. They, they traded for a center. I think he's playing this week. Like there's mm-hmm. just a lot of question marks around. The offensive line, they have a great coaching staff that doesn't have to be said that can adjust. But this stat really surprised me. The Steelers led, were tied for the lead, league lead in sacks last year. They were sixth in rush defense. They added Devin Bush. They brought in a couple other pieces on the defense. So if you're saying the Patriots are going to run, it seems like the Steelers are really well equipped to defend against that. Um, so I just like the Steelers. The defense has improved. I think they're they're not going to be as pass heavy. I brought up that stat the other day. Big men threw the ball 42 times a game last year, which is insane. I think they're going to be a little more run heavy with James Conner and Jalen Samuel. Play a little keep away in this one. So I like the Steelers with the points. The money line is a little enticing. I think mm. I plus 270, I believe, in some spots. Let me bring it up on my bookie sponsor of the pod. Plus 205 on my bookie. I think that's a little enticing, but mm-hmm. just taking the points, I think week one, these teams know each other really well also, so I like the Steelers again. Okay, we'll see. We're on opposite sides of this one. I'm, I'm buying the week one, and like you said, it's, it's a little odd. The Patriots aren't on opening night. I think they're still in like them against the world mode as they kind of have been post-deflate gate. I'm so sick of this Patriots team. I want the fall-off to happen. But in this week one spot against the Steelers, a team they've had a ton of success with over this run, over the past couple decades, um, I'm taking the Pats in this spot. And like I said, as a teaser option, I'm enticed there. Um, but that's Sunday night football. Monday night football, we we get one of these doubleheader situations as we normally do in week one. But we're going to profile the early game. Houston Texans going down. Uh, going east to New Orleans. Geography's tough. And the Saints are a seven-point home favorite in this one, over under 53. The Texans have made a ton of moves in the past couple of days um, all over the place. They they scooped up Laramie Tunsil. They traded a lot for him, two first-round picks in the second. It's uh, kind of sh- sure up that offensive line. They added Carlos Hyde. Um and the Saints essentially bring back everyone from last year, a team that had a heartbreaking loss in the NFC Championship game. Tyler, the Saints are warriors at home. Uh, the last 10, they're 8-2 and two straight up and against the spread when favored by a touchdown or 7.5 points. I, I, I've already said on, on this show I love the Saints. I think they're my pick for the Super Bowl. I'm not buying the Drew Brees uh, total drop off. I think they have enough pieces around him that they can rely on just the general offensive juggernaut that they are. And uh, the Texans are another team we've talked about a ton, Tyler. They're they're your squad. Um, but week one, I like the Saints at home in the Superdome. What what do you think here? Which way you lean? I guess we'll be on opposite sides of this one also. I like the Texans plus seven. I just think that's a ton of points. I sent you an article earlier. I guess you didn't read it, so thank you for that. Um, I, I, I did read it. I ignored <laughs> it in this game. So week week one, uh, NFL favorites, betting the favorites. This is this – is, I can't find the year on the article, so I guess that's my fault as well. But um, seven or more points favorites in the last 45 matchups. 18 and 27. So big favorites aren't usually a good bet. Last year, the Saints were the biggest favor week one. They didn't cover, I believe, the last four or five years. The biggest favorite in week one hasn't covered. Last year, they were minus 10 versus the Bucks. They didn't cover, and they also lost that game at home. So the Saints aren't as money of a bet 
they're they're three and six. They were three and six against the spread last year at home, um, including the NFC Championship game. So, I don't know. I don't think the the Superdome maybe straight up. There's they're still a dominant, but against the spread in that high. I know you just gave that other stat, but I don't know. I'm just not as bought in on the Saints team as you are. And people are criticizing the Texans. I think it's easy to uh, given how much how little they got for Clowney and how much they gave up for Tunsil. But mm-hmm. just look at it just on the roster. They have one of the best left tackles in the NFL, and they had a weak offensive line. That's an immediate upgrade. And Kenny Stills is a pretty good receiver. That'll be their third guy. Adds another explosive element. I think this will be a pretty high-scoring game. And I just like the Texans to keep pace with the Saints. Deshaun Watson, as we've talked about, big year from him, MVP potential, possibly so. I like the Texans. I just think seven's way too high of a number in week one, as we've seen previously. It's just, it's not reliable. Yeah, it's it's a good stat you threw out there. Since um, 2003. Yeah, so a nice nice body of work there. Like you said, 18 and 27. They are not the biggest favorite this week. Um, but I, week one, like there's just a lot of moving pieces on this Houston Texans team. Um, I, I think I'm buying the infrastructure with the Saints here in week one. I understand it's a lot of points, but I think they get the job done. Um, and to be honest, this is one of the higher profile games. So we wanted to talk about it. To me, I I don't feel strongly on this one. Like it feels like a little more of a stay away. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. It's the, it's a Monday night game. So I feel like you have to bet it from that standpoint, but I guess I see what you're saying. I just think seven is a high number, and I think at this point it's safe to say Deshaun Watson is better than Drew Brees. Is that a crazy statement? I think we have to see it for another year. I think he pro- he probably is at this point, but Brees' weapons around him and buying more. I know the wide receiver core on the Texans is insane, but I, I think Kamara is going to have a field day. We'll see. I, I just think... It's going to be a high-scoring game in seven. Week one is too much. But let's talk quickly about the trades they made. Bill O'Brien basically running the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like I just said, they improved the offensive line. But the trade for Clowney was laughable. They got nothing back for him. A third-round pick is decent. But, you know, no play, the two players I got are average to below average. I mean, Bill O'Brien's running this team. And he just he always seems like he's just trying to get fired. Yeah. The Clowney trade was insane to me. I know he's had some injury history, but they got nothing back for him um, in a situation where, granted, they didn't have a ton of leverage. But the Laramie Tunsil trade, they essentially go all in on this guy. They're due to basically give him a contract extension at some point. And clearly, I think I saw it was Mike Tenenbaum on ESPN talking about it, but he has the most leverage one in like NFL history, potentially the fact that the team that needs to re-sign him has already given up two first-rounders and a second-rounder for him. Like, it's obvious that they're all in. So good for Laramie Tunsil in advance for cashing that check. Yeah, he's about to get paid big. Um, so we'll see. It's always it's always good when your head coach is running the team as the general manager. Because yeah, outside it, of the it Patriots, always works that, out well. Yeah, It's worked out well. And congrats to Carlos Hyde on his uh, fifth team in two years. I, I still believe in Carlos. He, I think he could be good on the Texans. They don't. Duke Johnson's a receiving back, but Carlos Hyde could be the every down back, I think, on that team. Yeah, I think we're the ultimate Carlo Hyde, Carlos Hyde apologist. Um, we've, we've seen a few nice breakaway runs with him on the Niners and kind of have flashbacks to that. So we'll see if he gets reinvigorated. Uh, what was that? You said his fifth spot in two years? fifth team in two years jesus christ um but yeah in terms of monday football quick hitter on that late game the broncos raiders i love the broncos in that spot really it's Mm -hmm. um so on my bookie it's a pick um i feel like denver should be favored in that game i agree I i don't know just like oakland a home game late monday night just it's like a weird spot first time head coach with fangio you know, his first game, he's been around the block, but there's going to be some kinks there. Uh, for me, like you said about the first game, I think this is a stay away. I just, Joe Flacco, I know he played well in the preseason, but if you take the body of work from the previous four years, we've seen nothing from him. So I don't know. It's a stay away. Oakland's home, so I kind of like them, I guess. But 
I, I'm not. I'm not touching this game. The last home opener in Oakland, Black Hole. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Flacco on the road there, but we're not going to get into that one too much. We're going to take a quick break here and have a word from our good friends at Ship Station, and then we will give it our locks of the week. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Now, Cody, let's move on to our locks of the week. Last year, highly contested segment. As I said, I did terrible. You were below average, I would say. I think I was 500. I don't know about that. We didn't keep track last year. We're going to keep track of our picks this year. Do a better job of that. We went... We went to uh, business school. We know how to use Excel pretty well, so we'll utilize that better and make sure we keep track and really rib into each other when our picks go wrong. As the elder statesman on the pod, I'll let you get started. What's your lock of the week for NFL Week 1? NFL Week 1. Thank you, Tyler, for that intro. I think we did do a good job of keeping track in terms of, did you start 0-6 last year? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think I think I had a push there. I, we we did push with the Vikings versus the Cardinals. I did I didn't win one for a while. But I'm talking about just even the games we've talked about uh, the previous five games, keeping track of our picks on that, Correct. and then obviously the locks of the week makes it more fun for the listeners and keeps us on our toes. Correct. So again, lock of the week. This is always a fun one, uh, just because you look at a full slate, hashtag plug, of NFL games, and to choose one against the spread is, is, is I think, easier said than done, uh, but I feel very good about this one. A common theme on our podcast last year with Locks of the Week uh, were road favorites. Didn't always work out, didn't always work out so well, but I feel good great about this lock of the week i was staring at the board oh i know where you're going this one hopped out to me the chiefs minus four at jacksonville tell you're nodding on video don't tell me this is also your lock of the week no it isn't i had a feeling that was going to be yours i'm looking for that text you sent me about your lock of the week last Uh, night oh it's different it's different than that Okay, but you did text me last night. I think I found my lock of the week and already feel sick about it. But I don't know why I had a feeling it was going to be this game, but I'll let you continue. Yeah, so my original thought was potentially Arizona at home versus Detroit, but I'm just staying away from that one. Um, here's here's my case here, Tyler. So we have a couple factors at play. Um, one, I think we have a Chiefs team that, yes, they lost Cream Hump, um, but I'm still totally buying this offense somehow Tyreek Hill uh, managed to not get suspended Um, so this Chiefs offense coming back in full force uh, they picked up LaShawn McCoy which is like a nice I don't know that they're going to get anything from him I think Damian Williams is pretty good Um, but just another piece another toy for Andy Reid on this offense Uh, they add defenders Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew the honey badger to defense um and last year, they were solid against the spread. They were 10-7-1. Uh, I think that's obviously including the playoffs. Um, and there are a couple of factors for the Jaguars I want to talk about here. Obviously, they lose Blake Bortles. They bring in Nick Foles, uh, which we all know is Super Bowl run from a couple years ago. But last time he was a full-time starter in the NFL, he was garbage uh, in 2015 on the Rams. Um I'm not buying that he has much left in the tank. I think he caught a little bit of uh, lightning in the pan a couple of years ago with the Eagles. 
I'm, I don't think the wide receiver core is all that great. Uh, I like D.D. Westbrook as a fantasy sleeper, but I think the the tools as a whole are much worse than what he had in Philly. And this is a little bit of like an outside-the-box angle here, but currently we have Hurricane Dorian wreaking havoc uh, in the Bahamas. It's potentially hitting Florida. Um, I think there's a chance some of these players are a little bit worried about their families, and this is a serious hurricane. Um, the Jags have canceled practices for Wednesday and Thursday because of the hurricane. Again, hopefully it stays in the ocean, but regardless, I think it is going to affect their week one in terms of their preparation and the routine and everything there. Um, so I like the chiefs in this spot minus four, four seems low to me. Um, I, I thought coming in as a team with the defending MVP and Patrick Mahomes, they basically get most of their team back. They lose a couple defenders, but I think I like the chiefs in this spot minus four. Andy Reid has a nice little, uh, a nice resume in terms of September. His last seven games in September, he's 7-0 and against the spread. I think there are too many moving pieces on the Jacksonville side of the ball. I'm fading Nick Foles, and I'm taking the Chiefs. Minus four on the road as a road favorite. Like I said, I sent you the text last night. I already don't feel great about it. The thing that scares me about this one is I feel great about it. <laughs> that was a great... <clears throat> long-winded soliloquy by you yes. giving your pick. I don't hate it. You're staring. So last year, I think my first three or four locks of the week were all road favorites. Awful decision by me. Obviously didn't work out. You got into it a little bit. So we're staring our demons in the face. Week one, <laughs> if we could get over the ledge. I mean, the hurricane angle is a little crazy, I think, but I do see it. I, I thought I saw a report earlier, might miss Florida, which should be great, and that's obviously what we hope for. Yes. So I don't know if I could uh, root for that angle with you. Um, I'm not. I'm not. To be clear, I'm not rooting for that angle. I just think it's just it's disrupting their week of preparation. We'll have to we'll have to listen back to see what you said exactly, because we can't be sure. These teams played last year. Chiefs won 30 to 14, blew them out in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So there might be a little revenge angle from the Jacksonville side. No, I, I just think <laughs> I think for I don't know. I, I agree with you. If I bet the game, I'm taking the Chiefs offensively. I don't see them slowing down. Jacksonville's defense is still top tier, but. Like we've talked about, there's a combustible angle to that team where it seems like things can go wrong like very quickly, and there's a lot of personalities in the locker room. And you brought up the McCoy acquisition. I think he's going to be a stud. Like I think that really hurts Damian Williams' fantasy value just because he's been with Andy Reid before. He wasn't great last year, but he's on a really That's bad, true. really bad Bills team. Now he comes on to the best offense in the league with the MVP. He knows how to use him. He's going to be re-energized. You know, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, gets cut, then he goes to a Super Bowl contender. Like, he's going to have a lot to prove and be excited to be on that team. I don't know how quickly he'll acclimate, but still having him out there is a factor. So I agree with you. I think the Chiefs are a good pick. I love that we're staring the road favorites in the eye week one, in the eye of the storm. In the eye of the storm. Again, I'm not, to be clear, Hurricane Dorian, stay in the Atlantic Ocean. But I think it's going to affect their week of preparation. And Nick Foles, he's, he has burned me in the past. He's burned me quite a bit. And again, I'm, I'm going to fade him. The wizard, as I nicknamed him last year. So mm-hmm. let's go over to my Yeah, what's lock your what's, what's your lock of the week here, Tyler? Lock of the week. And as you said, I feel sick about this because I love Ooh. it so much. It's something we've talked about earlier on the pod. I love the under in the Rams-Panthers game at 50 and a half. <laughs> And I feel sick about it because the Rams offense could probably go off for 45 points and I'll be squeezing my butt cheeks <laughs> all, all afternoon. But like I gave some of those trends out earlier, another stat, the total has gone under in five of the last six meetings between these teams. Average combined scores 30. And I did find a stat about hot weather games. This was written by the Action Network last season. So Hot girl summer. <laughs> yeah. So games that are 85 degrees or higher, going back to 2003, are hitting at a 56.6% win rate, the under. So 
not a huge sample size, but I think there is some validity to that. It's like I said, it's supposed to be 90 degrees in Charlotte on Sunday. Humidity 54%, which is super high. Um, I I googled high humidity to see what kind of range that's in. Yeah, so that feels 40, high. Yeah, 44 to 52%. So we're even above that. The uh, human perception for that is somewhat uncomfortable for most people at upper limit. So it's going to be uncomfortable for the players, like you said. And we talked about week one, it's going to be a little sluggish. The Rams haven't played their starters in the preseason. There's going to be some kinks to work out. I just see this as the defenses, both defenses, I think, will be improved from last year. So I see it being a lower scoring game. It could be in the 20s, but that doesn't have to mean 50. So I like the under in this one. At 50 and a half, right? Yeah, 50 and a half. So it could be 24-21, and I'm sitting pretty. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, you gave the case when we talked about Panthers-Rams. My initial gut reaction was I like the over. Everything you're saying, I it's better radio for me to disagree, but I, I have to say I agree. Um, you're not taking a road favorite, which I think is very admirable of you. It's big of you in season two here. Um, but no, I... I think, I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to that angle, and it's going to be humid as hell there. So, hopefully, the fans drink a lot of water. Yeah, and I wanted to bring up one other thing I saw. So, on the Action Network, they could show you how much money is on you know either side. So, I guess this is a reason to be nervous. Ninety-two percent of the of the money is on the under. Ninety-two. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> so I'm not obviously saying you anything. square. Yeah, I'm not saying anything crazy. I saw it after I made, I decided this is going to be my lock of the week. So maybe I'm on to something or maybe 92% of the money is about to get destroyed in this game. But how much I'll, money's on the Chiefs? The Chiefs. I'm going to uh, say all of it. Let me, uh, I mean, you're definitely over 50. Yeah. Great, great podcast segment. 78% of the bets, 62% of the money on the Chiefs, so another popular pick. I mean, I'm surprised neither of us quickly, before we wrap up, picked the the uh, Browns at minus 5.5. That seems like that's going to be a really public and popular bet, it's, you know, get on them as the season starts. Not not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Um, we, we collectively as a podcast lost enough money fading the Titans. I need to see something from the Browns, but I think if anything, that one uh, may be a first half bet, like Browns come out hot. Maybe that's the angle there, but game, no thank you. I'll be honest. I was deciding between that and this under <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Browns. We don't have to talk about it much. I'm just not high in Tennessee, but I think that wraps up our week one pick so we'll make sure to tweet out our picks for the five games we discussed in our locks, and hopefully we start 2-0 collectively as a pod. Yes, we need it, and we will have a special guest upcoming on this Sunday's pod, so stay tuned for that one as well. 